Hey, I'm Sean. And I'm Jesse. And, and we're, we're the, the DMs, DMs of, of Vancouver. Vancouver. We're two newish DMs who are still getting the hang of the whole DM thing. So we sit down with a friend every couple of weeks and pick their brain on their approach to DMing. So come along as we figure out how to help our players have the best time possible at the gaming table. Today's episode is brought to you by Adventure Dice. Adventure Dice is an online dice shop based here in Vancouver, selling a variety of dice and other gaming accessories. Personally, I'm a big fan of their rolling trays and the grounded pixie dice set. Adventure Dice ships for free anywhere in Canada, and if you use the code DMV at checkout, you can get a 10% discount on your purchase. That's DMV for a nice discount on your new tabletop gear. Find the shop at adventuredice.ca and roll for adventure! Hey folks, welcome to another episode of DMs of Vancouver. Welcome to our uh, end of year episode for 2019, actually. Yeah, thanks for listening to us for another year and joining us for this kind of bonus year-end episode. Yeah. Um, so I guess to start off, uh, how have you felt about the, the past year of podcasting in D&D? Uh, I felt pretty good about it. Like, um, it's been a big year for us it feels like a lot's happened um it feels like the year has been really long i I have forgotten how time works yeah uh me too (laughs) um but um i felt pretty good this is our our first year on the cave goblin network and that has been great like the support we've gotten from everyone there has been really excellent um and uh yeah how how about you how do you feel about this past year for the show um for the show, I, I feel pretty good. Um, I think that, uh, I don't know if our listeners have noticed, but I've I've picked up a couple of small tricks for when I'm editing that speed things up and hopefully also help with the, the quality a little bit. So I'm, I'm pretty happy about that. Um, still, there's still a little part of me that's not quite used to hearing my voice. So I don't know if that's something that'll maybe go away next year. We'll have to wait and see. But um <laughs> I mean, as far as it's it's been almost three years now. <laughs> yeah, um, and as far as D and D goes, um, yeah, I, I don't have anything really big to to report. But I think, and as far as D and D goes, I haven't been getting up to to much. But with the the network, um, yeah, this is our first full year being part of the the Cave Goblins network, and we've both been getting more involved. You've been doing some. Uh, uh, I want to say it's second banana, but revolver because second banana is what Joe is doing right now. Uh, The revolver stuff, uh, the tabletop tales, is that what it's called? Yeah. um, So that was a mini series of eight episodes I did in the Patreon for the Cave Goblin Network, uh, where I interviewed mostly people from the network, but also a few other people like Haley and Kayla Sander from um, DM's Test Kitchen about like stories from uh like a story from their tabletop game whether it's something that happened in game or something that happened outside or uh whatever and um i i had a lot of fun recording them um and i think i might do them again as a revolver thing but initially when we were doing it the hope would be that maybe we would put it in our off weeks for the show for this show and i don't i don't quite like the format enough to like release it publicly that often right so I think what we might be able to do in the future is uh, if uh, we are somehow under the wire and we need a, a quick uh, episode, I might stitch them together and release them. 
at some point or if we want to release a bonus episode but i think for now they're gonna stay in the patreon i think they're interesting i just i'm i'm not I, I don't think I like them as a format enough to like have them be their own show or even really part of this one. Right. Yeah. And I've, I've got a couple of ideas. Well, really just one idea I've had so far. Cause I've been trying to think of something that I could do for a revolver. And I know it's not meant to be like a high pressure, like everybody needs to do a revolver thing, but because everybody else has ideas, I'm like, Oh, I need an idea. I want to do something. <laughs> and I think I finally hit upon something and I'm going to try and explore that in the new year. Nice. Um, but uh, more about D and D. Tell me about how your how your games have been going this year. All right. What have you so, been get, getting up to? Yeah. Uh, so the game I had been running, I guess, last year in 2018, kind of ended. Uh, the The group didn't fall apart or anything, but like it just hadn't really been going anywhere. So I decided to I wanted to refocus it. Um, so yeah, the first thing I've started running this year was Waterdeep Dragon Heist. Um, that's just for my monthly game. Sometimes it's every other month, so we haven't gotten super far into it, despite it being pretty short. But it's been a lot of fun, and like I think for me, the urban setting leaves a lot that I can like kind of poke and prod and adjust at, because it's pretty easy to just be like, it's easy to justify a lot of things being in a big city like Waterdeep. Um, right. So that's that was kind of the first thing I was doing. The second thing I did, and this actually kind of ties back into a network thing, sort of. Um, there's a story, and I think I think I'll tell it. Um, um, friend of the show, uh, Caitlin. We we interviewed her earlier this year. Uh, her and I, along with Doug and Talia from the network, were driving down to PodCon, and um, she and I got to talking on the way down about Persona. Uh, which I had just been playing Persona 5, and I was like, oh, I would like to run a game that's kind of inspired by this. And she was like, well, you know, our game's kind of on hold. We like, we want to start playing again, but I'm not really up to running. Do you want to run that for my group? And so that's how I started running this like very strange anime-esque inspired D&D game where my players are high schoolers who go to an alternate dimension to fight evil. It sounds really cool. And I, I'm curious how you, like one of the questions, things that, that's been on my mind every time you, 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 you mentioned this, I've just never gotten around to asking it is the, the, the transfer between dimensions and like, and the like real world versus the, the D and D world or the anime world or whatever the other dimension is called. Um, how do you handle the characters moving back and forth is it is there anything mechanical to it or is it entirely a uh a narrative thing that the players can choose to invoke like oh if we go here and do this thing we're in the other dimension now. uh so it's kind of more the latter uh so what it is currently and and you know it's it's based on an anime thing and my i think my players are savvy enough to know that like things are going to change and develop as it goes. But the way it's set up right now is they have an NPC character who can transport them between worlds. Uh, and actually in one of the last sessions, they, uh, they lost her or they, they didn't lose, they had to leave her behind. And so they're back in the real world without their means of getting back. So they basically have to wait until she's recovered and can come and get them. Um, and it's, um, it's actually been really great because it's a very easy avenue for me to like, because she's a, a character with her own personality and stuff like that is really easy to push back on when my players characters are being assholes like to each other or to her right like there have been various points where she has threatened to like leave them there if they don't start you know not 
like one character in particular who who is on purpose like a very angry young man who doesn't really know how to people um <laughs> you know so he'll that character will be rude to her and she will like push back and be like look i will leave you here if you do not treat me with respect okay um but yeah that that's the main avenue uh, they're going to get into some, like, like it's obviously going to develop, and I'm still kind of planning out how. But for now, they are um, kind of kept in check but by going back and forth with this character. Cool. Yeah. Uh, do you have any other questions about my game? Because I would love to answer them. <laughs> uh, there's there's none that come to mind right now. Um, it's it's something that I feel... <laughs> we probably should have included that in the, in the prompt, or, like, maybe we'll do another episode in like a month or so where we just people can ask questions uh, about the specifics of of our games and we'll do a or maybe like shorter minisodes or something i don't know yeah we could do mailbags every once in a while every few months maybe yeah throw them in as a bonus episode here or there yeah. um um other than that what am I, I'm, I'm also playing in a game uh run by also another friend of the show and previous guest milo applejohn uh that's going to be made into a graphic novel i think his aim is to get the first issue out in march okay um how about you because like last year i think you had just wrapped up your first big campaign and we talked about that a bit Um, yeah i I know you've kind of uh you've pulled back a bit because of time constraints and other stuff but what what were you running this year uh so my my main focus was just a single campaign uh, run with three of the five people from the previous campaign because two of them just wanted to bow out because it was a little bit too much for them to do. Uh, I mean, on average, we were playing every two weeks, but it was a little bit too much for them. And uh, the, the new campaign was set in the same world um, uh, for people who are familiar, uh, or actually for people who are not familiar, it's a world where magic comes from uh six fonts uh sources of magic um think kind of captain planet earth air fire wind plus life and death um and in the previous campaign they had uh eventually ended up unlocking the water font and this one was going to be about the the life font it was going to be a uh this a bunch of islands that were you know there were things were growing crazy like the um the area around these islands would be covered with uh, like vines and seaweed that would like grow over ships if they tried to sail over it and pull them under. And so like the first big problem was just how do we get to this island? And do we like, I kind of hand waved them having enough supplies that like they were traveling as part of a, like a mercenary company being like, well, things are starting to settle down here. Let's start to help the rest of the world. So they sent out a couple of, um, convoys isn't the right word um basically they put out the call and people could sign up to be like yeah i'll go help this mercenary group go deal with whatever's going on 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 this in this area of the world i want to go and travel and so the players were all people that had signed up their characters were all people that had signed up to go on this specific adventure um and things were going well um they uh on the first island they they met and ran away from and eventually defeated a dryad that had gone uh, crazy and was causing some of the plants to be extra poisonous and extra dangerous. Um, and the the thing that I was thinking, and I'm going to go over this because I've put the campaign on hold and I'm not sure I'm going to come back to it. And I'll go into why in just a little bit. 
But my idea was that this would be a campaign about um, that part of the font of life magic was that there was this crystal that helped regulate the font of magic that helped keep things on an, on an even keel. And um, similar to how, like when the, the guardian of the, the water font, when things went wrong there, like water magic started to go kind of nuts in the world. And it was like, it was draining water from the rest of that continent and creating this giant desert on this continent chain of islands huge chain of islands i realized afterwards it covers like more square miles than canada oh. um, um that was a mistake that i made when mapping it out and then i just rolled with it but um the idea was that the the opposite had happened with this font where rather than like the life being sucked out life was being pumped in and so like it gave me an excuse to put in like uh some giant insects and they had a fun a fun uh, session where one of them uh, uh one of them was a druid who has shape-shifting so she turned into a giant beetle to go in and investigate this weird hive that these beetles were forming and it turned out that they were like gaining sapience and starting to be able to think and speak and she was talking to them for a little bit and um that was on like the second or third island i can't remember but um and i i was playing this one a lot more loose than my previous campaign like the first campaign i did i had I had done a lot of planning and thinking out and I had kind of plotted out major story beats and um, ways that like, oh, if the players go and do this thing, I can still sprinkle in hooks that'll get them back to this story path. And for this one, I guess my intention was to do it a little bit more West March's style. Like basically the only thing I had complete control over was where they landed, what island they landed on and where. And then from there... We were playing on roll 20. I had this big hex grid with the map that I had made and they could just decide, okay, we're going to, uh, you know, we're going to travel to this hex and what gets uncovered. Okay. We're going to travel to this one. And apparently I, I, the rules that I cooked up for that worked really well because one of the players was also playing in the, um, the tomb of annihilation with a, uh, with a different group. And he was saying that the hex crawl there, like they had been playing for eight or nine sessions and they had only uncovered like three or four hexes. Whereas in like two sessions, they had most of the first Island mapped out because I did a lot of like hand waving. I did the, you know, the, like okay yeah you guys travel through the forest and like if i didn't have anything planned i didn't do like random encounters to try and just give them combat during the session i just told them okay yeah you guys travel along and you guys you know cross this mountain ridge you get to the other side of the island and now you're on this beach on the other side of the island where do you go from here like unless there was something specific that they discovered like a magical tower with something weird or a weird monolith in the forest or, you know, uh, a town that was grown over with vines. Like unless they discovered something on the Island that was specifically meant to be explored and interacted with, I just hand waved all of the traveling. So that made that pretty quick. Um, but the reason that I ended up putting things on hold was partially just because things have been a little bit nuts at work and I, I have been getting kind of busier. Um, but as things have been cooling down, because uh, basically like September, like August, September, November are kind of the busiest months of the year for the for the company I work for, especially early September. So uh, I put things on hold and. I think late September or, or early, I can't quite remember when, but part of it was that I did, I just 
felt like I was too busy with work. The other part of it is that I just don't think that I can handle running games on Roll20 where I have to create um, most of the content. Like I think if I was running, if I bought a module on Roll20 and was running that, I think I would be fine. Um, But the problem is that even because the thing I did with this one is that all of the combat or as much as possible was theater of the mind. So right off the bat, I don't have to create battle maps or any of that stuff. Um, And it also helped get past just like the fiddliness of roll 20 with trying to move uh, a character token around a map and making sure they're in the right place and what can they see and all that stuff. Um, But because this is something that I think I've discussed before that when I first started playing around with roll 20 like for a battle map i feel like because i can use artwork i kind of have to like it's just the way that my brain works like i probably could just quick use the sketching tools in roll 20 and do a black and white map and be fine um but because that's what i did when i ran games here in my apartment was that i just used this um this graph paper that had one inch squares on it it's meant to be like a something you use in a meeting that's like hanging up on a wall or like on a special, I don't want to say tripod. Let's well, artist... see for like a graph or something. I know. Yeah. Because like... I gave you that paper. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but like when I was, cause my prep when I was running games at home was I would just five or 10 minutes, just think of some ideas for like, okay, they're going to explore a temple next session. Okay. Here's some ideas about like how many floors should it be? Roughly how big is it small? Is it, is it cramped or is it, is it big with open areas? Is there, what's the like unique thing about this location? And then I would just on like, you know, regular graph paper, like sketch out a, uh, the location and like think about it for a little bit and then like finalize it. And, um, I'd be able to like sketch out the map, uh, because I have a whole bunch of monster stat blocks already printed out and ready to go. And I've got uh, a bunch of other like tools and PDFs that I've printed out to help me prepare for when I'm playing a game in person, I could usually prep an entire session, like two or three locations in about an hour. And it felt like the amount of time I was putting on roll 20, I could prep like one combat session in about an hour. So just the amount of time it took was just way longer. But even when I switched to theater of the mind, um, it just felt like, oh, if I wanted to use a custom monster, getting that monster into roll 20 so that we could use it, I could use it with the combat system because there's scripts and stuff that make running combat a little bit easier. And just, it feels like because there's all these features in roll 20, I keep wanting to use all of them because it feels like otherwise, why am I paying for a subscription to it? (laughs) And it feels like because of all those options, it takes much longer to prepare a game which is counterintuitive and so i think i've like slowly come to the realization over the last like two months while i've been thinking about this is that if i'm going to run games it has to be in person because otherwise it just requires way too much work that that makes a lot of sense to me i am very uh i don't like roll 20 i've i've used it for uh dm's test kitchen chef's night which is a thing i guess another D&D thing I'm involved with that I forgot to talk about at the beginning of the episode. But like I, I and I'm just using it as a player and I can't stand it. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I've found that I'm much more comfortable just doing a Skype call 
and just running with my sheet and dice than I am with like doing it through that. Like, cause I, I feel like, yeah, it then feels like you have to do everything. And like, it's, it's just a lot. Yeah. That, that is kind of how I feel as well. And I, part of me wants to, to try just doing Skype because then I can just do prep the way I prefer to like not using a computer at all. And then just have the, like do everything theater of the mind. I mean, for a, hex crawl kind of thing like i guess that's the thing is that i would probably the game that i'm i was running i would still have to use roll 20 a little bit but maybe like do all of the rest of the prep is just i have the monsters uh all on paper in front of me here on my desk and i'm not using roll 20 for anything else um that is something i that like maybe but at the same time i'm just like no i think i just need to extricate myself from roll 20 and just go back to running uh games locally which i I think is what i need to do but at the same time i'm hesitant to because two of my players like the reason we switched to roll 20 is that two of my players moved to the interior and doing it online is the only way we can play with those those two people now yeah and i'd like to because I've no the one thing I have noticed, and if they listen to this, um, I hope they listen to at least this part, is that I've missed hanging out with them, <laughs> even yeah. if it's just online. Yeah, it's it's not the same, right? Or at least like I think I think me or rather you and I are similar in that way, in that it's like it's not the same for us to hang out with someone online. Like it it's more effective for us to do it in person. Yeah, and like I. I would take just hanging out with them online and not playing D and D, but like one of them, she doesn't play video games or anything. And the other one, uh, I think he plays games, but it's more stuff like, um, like real time strategy games, the kind of like games that I don't play a bunch. So there's no reason for like just off the cuff for any of the three of us to just randomly hang out in discord or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, and this is getting into personal advice, but like that, I think that might just be a matter of, um, not doing it off the cuff. Like, even if you have to be like, Hey, why don't we like set aside an hour or two where we're, we're like chatting and, you know, maybe we can like watch a movie at the same, like a funny movie or a silly movie at the same time and kind of make fun of it or something like that. Yeah. Or yeah, I, I need to figure out some way. Cause it's, it is something that I, I've noticed is I need to get better at figure out some way for me to stay in touch with people that I don't get to see in person as much. Oh yeah. Same dude. <laughs> Cause there's a, there's a couple of people like the, the three people that were in the, my campaign this year, like one of them, I'm, I'm in a discord server with them and I chat to him sometimes, but like I just, with him, I just need to get better at like reaching out and asking if he wants to hang out. But with the two that are living in the interior now, it's just, yeah, I need to figure out some way to just, talk to them and still feel like I'm friends with them. But I think this is verging away from D and D and into just personal life stuffs. Yeah. So, and while that's fine, I do think we should get back on track. I need to talk about chef's Dent quickly because I forgot. And I definitely want to talk about that quickly. Alrighty. Um, so I cannot remember what time this year, but earlier this year, uh, Nate and Kayla from DM's test kitchen reached out to me um they're they were doing another show they wanted dms to guest as players on it uh, i went on and did the first season i had uh, i had a pretty good time doing that i made a really interesting character named the cenotaph who is a halfling who is a vessel for a legion of ghosts and they have basically taken over his body it's very odd and like i think very much a dm's idea of a character <laughs> um <laughs> 
was a, which was a comment that the other players gave me, um, which is <laughs> fine. It was largely the point of the game, right? Um, so I did the first season of that, and then um, I still wanted to be involved, and Nate and Kayla still wanted me to be involved, but I didn't really want to be an active player at that part or that moment. Um, and also they had other players coming in because the idea is that they cycle people in and out. Um, so I started doing the recaps with Kayla, in character and like added this whole other meta plot which has now developed a life of its own <laughs> um and uh, yeah it has been a lot of fun to work on i i really like working creatively with nate and kayla and um i'm i'm really interested to see how seasons um three and four and maybe five i'm losing track of because they they record a bunch ahead and i'm not actively in most of them I like come by later once they've done a lot of the editing and then we like make our recap. Um, but yeah, they're like, I'm really interested to see how the next couple of seasons turn out with that. Um, so, but on top of that, like we, we've mentioned it before, but we've, we're in the cave goblin network now and we, we joined at the end of last year, but this was our first full year in it. So Sean, how, like, what is your experience being in the network? Been like? Um, it's, it's been interesting, that's for sure. Um, I, I will. I say this with a lot of love and 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 heartfelt adoration for everybody in the network. Uh, we're a bunch of weird commies. Yes. Um, yes. Accurate. <laughs> um, and the the way thing like I I am happy with the way things that are run. I am uh, happy that I'm making new friends, getting closer with more people. It's been it's been great. Um, having an actual studio to record in uh, that we don't have to schedule three months in advance, like the Vancouver public library inspiration lab is but, pretty great. Though we often do end up scheduling several months in advance because of how <laughs> we record our show. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, and getting more involved with the network, like I'm now running uh, every Thursday, uh, as long as everything comes together, I run the cave goblin party night, uh, which has been a blast and I'm really enjoying doing that. And, um, yeah, I, there hasn't been anything that's stuck out as being particularly like amazing or like bad. It's just been this like constant, like just good. It's, it's made doing this podcasting thing a little bit easier because we've now got a studio that's a little bit closer to a transit line that, that makes it easier for people to get out there. Um, the, uh, the equipment makes it easier for me on the editing side uh, because we're now able to record rather than just having everybody huddle around a microphone that records three or four people to a single track. Everybody gets their own microphone. It's fantastic. Um, yeah, on, on my end, it's just it's made things just like incrementally better and in a way that i'm i'm excited to see the, like i'm excited to see the network grow see what happens there but as far as like our podcast goes it's it feels like it's just been like it's a step up it's not a huge step but it's definitely a step up yeah you know i like i've been reflecting uh the last couple of weeks on like we've had some like actually pretty big guests on our show at least within the podcast community like we've had sean howard on we've had travis vengroff on um outside of that we've had a couple of like we've had vita ayala on we've had some like big like comic book people um it's it's been really cool as far as the show goes um um I have some stuff to say about the network and like my experience there and how, how I've enjoyed it. And then let's maybe talk a bit about extra life after that. Yeah. 
All right. So um, I've had a really good experience with the network app. I've been like the, the big thing for me at the end of the day is not just the equipment, which is very nice to have, um, but the uh, like having the community of people. Yeah. Um, like having that community and um, one that exists outside of Twitter um, has been really nice for me and has made like, like even like as we've talked about i think on the show even if our show doesn't get huge or whatever it feels more like i'm like like we're making something now because we are part of something and i've really appreciated that um but also like uh it's kind of allowed me some opportunities as that's helped us grow the show a bit in that like um i went to podcon this year and i was only really able to swing that because doug and talia also wanted to go down i i basically convinced them to go down like right after i joined we joined the network um (laughs) but like we have uh like we have we've we've caught a bunch of guests from there like again sean howard travis vengroff one or two other people i think oh sterling um, who uh, who also is now a patron of the network and like listens to the show and will comment and has been on the show um, and uh, Damien and Sketchy from Adventures in Aurelia like it's uh, like going to PodCon I think was actually like a really big um, kind of step up for us in just that like we met other people who were doing this who aren't located in our city who are interested and like have advice for us and like all that kind of stuff and it's been it was it's it was a really uh, good thing and it was it's a real bummer that podcast isn't a thing anymore yeah um but what else like i don't know i've i've really enjoyed being like yeah like i've said a million times now part of a community where you know i like have responsibilities too yeah um but i and i think we we come back around to uh, i think the, the the thing i'm most proud of within the network that we did this year which was largely spearheaded by you which is extra life. Yeah. And I think that is like of all the things that I've done this year, I think extra life was, is the thing that I'm most proud of this year. Um, so for those of you who uh, aren't aware, who didn't uh, tune in uh, extra life, or if you, if you've never heard of extra life, basically it's this thing that started. Uh, it's been a few years now. Cause I know that I, I did one in like 2015, I think, but it's been around for a while and it basically started because this, um, this gamer got involved in doing some fundraising for a girl who had, uh, I, I think it was some form of cancer. I can't quite remember. And, uh, and she unfortunately um, passed away due to her, her illness. And uh, the, but the whole event inspired this gamer to create extra life, which is this thing that every year on, uh, I think it's usually the first weekend in November. Um, uh, people all over the world play games uh, to raise money for the Children's Miracle Network hospitals. So uh, for us locally, that's the BC Children's Hospital Foundation. And the idea is is that uh, you get uh, you you collect pledges um, from a dollar to however much you're able to get from people, and uh, then on November second. Uh, the rules are a little loose. You, some people play for 24 hours straight. We played for about 10 hours on the second and third, so a Saturday and Sunday. And uh, some people, they don't. All they do is they'll play board games with friends at home for for a while. Uh, some people will play and stream like we did. Some people, um, some fairly big streamers and companies have gotten involved in the last few years, and they've been raising amazing amounts of money. And so. 
this is my this was my third time doing it. Uh, the first time I did it with some people from work, I just stayed uh, at work on a Friday night and we played board games and video games uh, until sometime the next Saturday, trying to not fall asleep. Um, and then two years after that, uh, I did it with you and a friend of mine, Nathan, and we played a board game for like 48 hours and couldn't talk to each other at the end of it. Um, cause it got real tense. And was it 12 hours a day? I yeah, it was like 12 hours, hours a day. day. It was too much for just three people, but, and, and those previous two experiences kind of inspired what I came up with for this year, which was that we do it as, as the cave goblin network. And the idea was, is that uh, I'd split the day up like a 10 hour, 10 hour day and split it up into two hour blocks. And then uh, somebody from the network can be like, Oh, I'm going to take this block and I want to do this. I'm going to play this game or I'm going to do this thing. And we'll stream that on Twitch and do that for 10 hours each day to raise money. And uh, despite some technical issues like me not having internet on the Saturday morning, um, I think it went really well. Um, like the fact that we were doing it as a network meant that Doug was able to jump in and take my, like I was supposed to do something on the Saturday morning, but Doug was able to jump in and, and host for that Saturday morning and then move into the next block of content. And uh, there were some other small technical issues, like towards the end of the day on Saturday, the stream started getting kind of glitchy. Um, but I wasn't at the studio because I was streaming from from my apartment um, and me and Doug were using a, a thing that I found online to pass the stream back and forth, control of the stream back and forth. But from from my end, from what I saw, uh, like it was hectic for sure. Like, I think we need to plan things out a little bit better the next time we do this so that it's not quite as hectic. But I think everybody had fun. Like we had some really cool stuff. Like Talia did some tarot readings. That was just a, a fun chill time. And Doug did a uh, cave goblin radio, which was pretty neat. Uh, uh, you so read. Yeah. And y you ran a game and uh, of lasers and feelings. And Joe ran actual cannibal shield above. And a great time to play in. <laughs> yeah. And I think overall it went really, really, really well. And I'm, uh, proud of how much we raised. Uh, I think I, the goal that I set without any thought whatsoever was a thousand bucks as a network. And I think we raised 500, 600. Uh, I can't I, remember. It's, I think it was 600 or maybe a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but, but it was, it was a lot. Yeah. We made it past halfway, which was, which I was really happy about. Yeah. Um, most of the donations came, uh, like my parents generously donated a bunch to get to get us started. They donated a hundred bucks, um, but that's because they've donated every time I've done this. Um, and a bunch of donations came in during the the Piers and Joe Magic Hour, which was basically uh, <laughs> let's make Piers and Joe's life hell for two hours. Um, and I will admit that a lot of the donations came from me because I wanted to bug them. I had so much fun. I was I was on set for that one. And uh, it was fun being one of the like torturers, I guess. Though, yeah, mostly a lot of it was them torturing each other. <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, and I think it, I learned some lessons about how to to run something like that. Um, and I've got some ideas on what we can do next year because I would like this to become a yearly thing. And and 
when we talked about it at our at our last network meeting, which is I think one of the more interesting things to see come out of the the network is uh, the fact that meetings with more than three or four people always run long, uh, regardless of how the 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 no matter who is in a meeting, if there's more than three or four people, it's going to run long. Yeah, I um, I try and like mitigate that if I'm there, but it doesn't always work. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to next year and and doing it again. Yeah, I I want to I want to say since we're talking about it, like um, big shout out to Doug and Talia who like did most of the actual on the weekend work. Like they put the most hours in for sure over extra life partially because it took largely took place in their home the, yeah the studio is in their place but like you know when you know when your internet was down doug really unsurprisingly i think and talia yeah. both stepped up to like like get on it right away it was it was really good and i'm really i'm really grateful that they they were able to do that for the yeah network. for sure yeah um i don't think it would have been as as hectic and crazy as it got, I think it it wouldn't have been as fun or as entertaining had it been not been hosted mostly at their place. Yeah. Um, uh, one thing I did learn though from doing that is that uh, I I have a limited amount of time uh, in which I can vamp and just talk, and after that, I just my brain is like, "You're done talking. No more. Go to a video or something. Just stop." <laughs> Um, oh, we can plan for that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so I think that's mostly it for the stuff that uh, we had planned. Planned. You want to get into the the mailbag of questions that we've got? Yeah. Um, I both of us reached out earlier to ask some of the people who follow the show. They had questions for us. Uh, a bunch of them did. Um, also, I specifically reached out to Kayla Sander, who is from. Dungeons Masters Test Kitchen, and she gave us a bunch of questions. We might not get to all of them. We're gonna, we're gonna see. Um, but I think, I think I want to start with Sean Howard's question, and then we can just go down the list. Alrighty. Uh, so Sean Howard um, at Pass It Along on Twitter. Also, uh, you may know him from Alba Salix and The End of Time and Other Bothers and The X and Crown and DM to GM and appearing on an episode of our show. Um, <laughs> uh, and also like. Before we go to the question, may I say, one of the most supportive people in podcasting. <laughs> this guy is, he's great. He's been super supportive of the show, like, since I wandered up to him and handed him a business card at PodCon. <laughs> um, so, Sean asked, uh, what's been our biggest learnings or takeaways from this year of episodes? Oof, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest takeaway that... that... I've had is just a reminder of if you if you've worked in anything related to the internet for long enough, eventually I think you hear the uh, I think it's the ninety nine one rule, which is that if you're doing something that you want to have that's meant to be interacted with, whether it's YouTube videos or you're doing something on Twitter or Instagram or You've just got a website where people can comment. The general rule of thumb is that if you have 100 people visit your site, 90 of them, all they're going to do is read. 9% of them will actually comment and interact with what you're doing. And 1% of them will become contributors. So if you're running like a, 
a blogging website or you're running Twitter, like of the hundred people, like if Twitter only had a hundred users, there would only be like one person who actually tweets regularly and nine people who comment on those tweets and the other 90 people just read what's going on. And I, I was reminded of that because we've had a couple of people reach out and like, I think the, I, I am horrible with names. We interviewed a teacher who runs games for uh, kids at her school. And it, uh, I think we found out while we were recording or just shortly before that, or you, or I, I can't remember how we found out, but we, she wanted to come on the show because she had been listening to the show. And it's just one of those things that like, it kind of clicked in my mind that like, yeah, like there are people who are going to, to listen to this show and never reach out to us, which is fine. Um, I just, the thing that I liked about that interaction was finding out that we had talked about things that had helped her, that she was able to take lessons from, you know, various guests that we had talked to and uh, figured out ways to make her own GMing experience better. And just having just that one story just makes me think that like i'm going to be happy to just keep doing this even if we only hear from one person every year that like we've helped them make their game even just a little bit better um just remembering that like yeah we're not going to get feedback all the time but when we do so far the feedback has been great and i'm just hoping that we can continue to produce at the level like the level of quality that we've been doing we can just keep if we can keep it at this level moving forward i'm going to be happy yeah um, so, listeners, that was uh, Jane Perella that Sean was talking about. She appeared yes. on episode 46, and we were talked about running for her students. And that's actually what I thought was really cool about that, is not only was she taking our stu- our like content, I guess, and being able to apply that to improve her DMing, it was also to improve her DMing for her like young students. Yeah. Um, which is pretty cool. Yeah, for um, sure. So... Uh, this one was tough for me too. I think my biggest kind of takeaway from this year is that like people are interested in our show and, you know, like you, you were talking about the 99 or the one ninety nine rule or whatever it is, um, whatever it's called. Um, like one of the, the problems I think I had going into this year with the show is just that like we weren't hearing from, we were rarely hearing from anybody. Um, but so what I found really validating this year was like, again, it comes back to PodCon is that like, you know, I told people about the show and they were like, oh yeah, no, that sounds great. I would like to come on your show. Yeah. And like, I, I, you know, I I heard it again at, uh, I went to Rose city and talked to a few people there and like handed out a couple business cards and people were like, oh, this sounds great. Can I come on? (laughs) And it's, um, it's been really nice, uh, to, you know, to, to know that like, even if it's just our peers, which it's not, we, there are other people who listen, obviously. Um, but like that, there are people who appreciate the show. It's just, it's, it's been really nice to like kind of cement that in my head. So it's not a thing I have to worry about anymore. Yeah. And this is not like a, a plea for everybody who listens to, to, to reach out to us on Twitter. Although that would be nice. Yeah. We would appreciate um, that. That would be great. We love hearing yeah. from you. <laughs> um, but it, I think it is uh, more of a lesson for, for us that, um, I think it's one of the hardest things as as being a content creator. Period is just, um, especially being like a podcaster, where for people to interact with the show is already a pretty big like. Just getting people to listen is already a pretty big ask because we're creating you know an hour's worth of content every two weeks, and 
it's not a lot if all you listen to is our show, but I think people who listen to podcasts tend to listen to a bunch of podcasts and asking them to listen to the content and then also interact with us on, on Twitter or on Twitter. Or Discord. Or Discord. Discord. Yeah. If if, you have a Discord. (laughs) Yeah. We're part of the Cave Goblin Discord um, is, is kind of a big ask. So I understand people just listening to the show and never reaching out and and getting in touch with us. Um, But I think it's just like something that I've got to keep in mind is like, people do listen and the show is helping people get better at GMing, which is if, if we don't grow beyond the number of people that currently listen, as long as the people who do listen are feeling like they're getting better at GMing, I'm happy. Yeah. I also think it's important to think that like we are actually succeeding at, I think what the main initial goal of the show was, which was to get us better at GMing. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I mean, I think if you looked at like if I had to rate my GM performance, um, like from when we started this this podcast in like this, the first two years, I think it was this like really quick upswing of like, oh, there's all this stuff that I should be doing or more importantly, not doing <laughs> like creating a whole world. Um, <laughs> and then it like flattens out a little bit and like, you know, with every episode we do, I just get a little bit better now. But there was definitely a, a rapid upswing of getting better at GMing in that first year or so. Um, so. I think for the next question, I'm going to combine two of the questions that we got. Okay. Uh, from from Rolling Misadventures, uh, RM is uh, R Misadventures on Twitter, and Mike uh, Mile High underscore Mike eighty two on Twitter. Um, it's about dice. So from Mike, we got how many sets of dice is too many? What's a good amount so you aren't borrowing at the table? And from Rolling Misadventures, describe what your favorite D20 looks like. And uh, right off the bat, I know my favorite D20 is one that I got from a Kickstarter campaign where somebody um, did some some really cool 3D printed dice that they then uh, molded and cast in various metals. And I got mine in brass, I think. Um, but they're, they're really nice, uh, D twenties. They've got like, like just nice details, like little filigree on all the numbers and everything. And they, because they're metal, they've got some, some weight to them. And, uh, and I, I really, really like them. I mean, I, I like having my, my dice set out in front of me and arranged in a certain way when I'm DMing because it gives me something to fiddle with. But um, these the, this set of metal dice, I think, is, is my favorite set. And as far as how many sets of dice is too many, for DM, I think I can get by with two sets of dice, but I prefer having four. Um, just because, like, at minimum, I need two D20s because I don't like... Well, I mean, I could get by with one set of dice if it really came down to it, but having two means that I can roll for advantage or disadvantage. I just roll once. Um, most of the attacks and damage and stuff at, at lower levels, at least, um, don't require more than two or three dice, so there's not too many re-rolling going on. Um, and, I mean, to answer the question with a question, what's a good amount so you aren't borrowing at the table? What's wrong with borrowing at the table? <laughs> well, it's a it's a thing that some people are really kind of uh, almost superstitious about. It's it's the that old tabletop RPG suspicion or not suspicion superstition thing where like right. some people you cannot touch their dice. 
yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I guess it's just I've been lucky enough to play with people that when somebody has to roll something where they need a bunch of D4s or D6s or whatever, everybody's like, oh, yeah, here. Here's two or three. Use them. All right. So I'm going to quickly answer the second two questions and then answer the, D- the D21. Uh, there's no such thing as too many sets of dice unless you do not have anywhere to put them. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah, I'm the guy with the bag of Chessex dice so that I've got enough for people to play with. Yeah, um, and I like to have about five sets when I'm playing like a, like a PC. Um, I only really need about two or three, though. I just like having five because yeah. I'm that guy. Um, <laughs> my favorite D20, this was tough. I don't have any like really like fancy like metal or expensive dice. So I was looking through them all, and I think I, think I got this from Libros Arcana. Um, but it is a D20 that's like the primary color is kind of a cloudy white. And then there are like details of like cloudy purple and dark blue and light blue and pink. And then the lettering is uh, like a very yellowy gold color. Okay. Uh, and so it's great because it looks really cool, but also it is very easy to read because the, the gold contrasts so highly with everything else in it. Cool. Yeah. Um, ooh. My pick next. Um, I'm going to go with Eric. Uh, question from Eric Ivanovich or Eric underscore normal at, on Twitter. Also part of the Cave Goblin Network, one of the hosts of Podcasters Podcast. Um, what is the best video game based on Dungeons and Dragons, either officially or unofficially? Um, and what game, either video game or non-tabletop RPG board game, best captures the spirit of playing with or playing as a DM slash GM? Um, I have opinions about the second one. Uh, I think Mysterium is actually a really good kind of like capturing the spirit of playing as a GM. And that like um, in Mysterium, one of the players is the ghost who gives people hints and is not allowed to say anything else. Right. Yeah. Uh, Polygon has a great uh, let's play, I guess is the best way to put it, where they, they played Mysterium and it's it's real fun. It's a real yeah. good watch. And I didn't get to play it uh, recently at your birthday party, but it is something I would like to try sometime. Yeah, it's uh, we'll, we'll 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 do it. We'll we'll get some people together and do it. It is a lot of fun and often really frustrating because you cannot <laughs> you cannot and this is I think where it simulates being a DM kind of is like you cannot tell your players what is happening sometimes. You just can't <laughs> because the game doesn't work that way. Um I don't have an opinion about best video game based on Dungeons and Dragons either officially or unofficially. Um I like there are a lot of games that were inspired by D&D. Like you could argue JRPGs in a whole as a whole were kind of like down of line of inspiration, but I figure at that point it's too far divided. So I'm going to say the best video game based on D&D is uh, Planescape Torment because uh Steve from Chef's Night says it's one of the best games ever. So I'm just going <laughs> to take his word for it. Um for for me, the best video game based on D and D, either officially or unofficially, I'm going to have to go with um, with Neverwinter Nights, um, partially because it's literally based on like the 3.5 rule set. But I think the thing that I loved about it um, was that it has a DM mode where you can, because you can play it online if you want to with friends. And one of the things that I wanted to do so much but never could find people that i knew to play with because i'm horrible at asking randos online to play is uh, i wanted to put together like a little mini campaign because like if you're playing 
Neverwinter Nights and you're the GM, you can add uh, like first off, it you can use it just like a a, uh, a game creator. Like you can set up um, events and have monsters show up and have little scripted things that happen. Um, but when when a player is playing your module, you can be in there as the GM and like take control of a character and have them speak or have them move or attack using a specific thing. And I was always curious to see how that would work. I never got around to it though. Uh, and for me, what game best captures the spirit of playing with or playing as a DM or GM? I think, I think my answer is left for dead too. Um, really? Like, like, and it's specifically the playing with the GM part because the thing with Left 4 Dead 2 is that uh, if you're not familiar with it, it's got its big feature that it was touted with is when it came out was that it's got this AI director that if you're playing really well, it'll add more dangerous enemies. And if you're not playing so well, it'll not throw as many enemies at you and it'll try to make things a little bit easier. And the fact that there's a, a game that'll try to adjust the d- difficulty in this very specific way, just for me, it feels like it's a, it you're playing with a GM. That's like, Oh, you're, you're, you're having too easy of a time. I need to throw more monsters at you. Um, and that, th- that's just the answer that came to mind for me. I, I don't think it's the best game that like it. If I thought about this for an entire week, I could probably come up with a better answer, but we got these, questions today so that's my answer i think that's a good answer i i did not know that about i've never really played the left for dead games uh, i think Haley used to play them a lot though but that's that's really cool that the ai is kind of built to be like oh it's a cakewalk more monsters oh it's too difficult yeah. less monsters <laughs> um do uh this is uh, I, I, i'm gonna pick take one of the questions that uh that kayla sent in um because it's it's a like i know who my like kind of well i don't want to say end goal like if i ever interview these people i'm i'm going to shut down the podcast but like <laughs> it's like like i would count it as a huge win if i ever got to interview these people but i'm i'm curious to see if your answers have changed at all because mine haven't but the question is who are your dream guests and for me it's um it's the McElroys and then Matt Colville, and then um, Matt Mercer, in that order. Yeah, so, um, and this question comes from uh, Kayla, who is at Veronox on Twitter. Uh, yes. And the question is, who are your dream guests? Um, I think my my top one is Griffin McElroy, um, specifically. I'd, I'd love to talk to all the McElroys, but I think I would really like to, I would prefer to talk to him to have alone to have more time to actually like get into that stuff with him. Um, and then like Matt Colville, Matt Mercer, I obviously want to talk to, um, there are a bunch of people at Loading Ready Run I'd really like to talk to. Um, I kind of had this, uh, epiphany earlier this year, or maybe even late last year that like the reason I wanted to do anything online, like make any sort of show is because I found their website when I was 15 and they're still making content and they've got a pretty good community and like, also, they do a bunch of D and D related stuff and magic related stuff. So I would I would like to talk to any number of people from that network. I guess it would be called. Um, and I was actually thinking about this. Um, I think last week when I was just kind of going over my in my head what we could talk about this episode and because 
the dream guest thing is something that I that always pops into my head every few months of like like I, I I'm doing it as kind of a health check of like how close are we to interviewing these people, um, but I'm curious to to what you would want to to talk to the dream guests about because I was thinking about this and I'd want to talk to um, at least like Griffin or the McElroys and Matt Mercer about the same thing, which is the nature of, of parasocial relationships in the online D and D community. Oh yeah. That would be a good one. Um, Because like they have these huge fan bases and a very online and vocal fan base. And I'm curious how that affects them and how they run their games. Yeah. I, um, I realized that I had another person I want to add to the list who I think is actually a, a much more possible person to get on sooner rather than later. Um, <laughs> but it's uh, his name is Brandon, I believe. He runs, uh, he makes Swordsfall. Have you heard of Swordsfall? Yes. Um, so Swordsfall, for those who are unfamiliar, is an Afro punk sci fi fantasy role-playing universe so it's there's going to be a game but there's also setting books and i think they're going to be novels and all this stuff uh i like following this guy on twitter he gets uh like he's making this really really interesting setting and also spends a lot of time arguing with people um which i i imagine must be immensely frustrating for him but like swords fall sounds so cool and i i didn't have the cash to back the kickstarter any of the kickstarters when they're up but i'm definitely going to be buying and reading that setting book once it's like officially released and i would just want to talk to him about swordsfall <laughs> and like <laughs> yeah. building it because he he's trying to build a you know a setting that is not rooted in i think the fantasy that me and you are most familiar with yeah and that actually um this kind of segues a little bit into i think something that we'll talk about more when we when we start to wrap up is just like our goals for this podcast and for for the next year and we've talked about it a little bit but i think um one of the things that we were trying to do and be better about is interviewing more non-white dudes yeah less cis white cis straight white dudes Uh, yeah there's already two of them on the show all the time yeah they just won't leave um so (laughs) It's a, um, it's a big problem. It is. Um, and like, yeah, we are, we are not doing as well as I would like to do uh, about that, um, which is not helped by the fact that a bunch of the people that we have lined up for the new year, um, the majority of them are more just straight white guys. But well, it's, they it's, reached out to me first, okay? I have a hard time <laughs> saying no to people who want to be on, providing that they're not Nazis. Terrible. <laughs> yeah. As long as they're not terrible. I mean, it's... It, We'll get into it a little bit more. We'll talk about it more when we talk about uh, goals and whatnot for the for, for next year and the years to come. Um, but um, I'm I I don't have an answer for this one um, off the top of my head. I, I if I went back and sampled some of our previous episodes, I could probably pick something. But I don't have anything on top of my head right now. But what's the most ludicrous story you were told this year? Uh, that's from August Ever Everard. Yeah. Everard, the August author on Twitter. Yeah, we had him on the show a couple of weeks back. Or we released the episode with him a couple of weeks back. We interviewed him several months ago. Um, <laughs> so mine is kind of cheating in that I don't think it was on Teams of Vancouver. It was on uh, Tabletop Tales. 
for the Revolver show, I talked to Joe about the time he ran Call of Cthulhu, and his players somehow managed to just absolutely stomp the adventure. <laughs> which, uh, for those unfamiliar, is not a thing that's supposed to really be doable in Call of Cthulhu. Um, so basically what happened is, in the um, the gist of it is, there's this kind of like ma- old mansion where a bunch of weird stuff is happening. It turns out there's a necromancer in the basement. The players manage to get through, like to power their way through most of the actual like stuff upstairs, find the necromancer's like tomb as he's rising. And one of the players had rolled up like a police officer or an ex-military guy or something, someone who had a revolver. And like combat is supposed to be really difficult in Call of Cthulhu, like really difficult. Yeah. And the guy managed to roll the equivalent of a critical hit as this thing was, like, rising out of the tomb. So they, like, absolutely stomped who was supposed to be the very challenging and dangerous boss by pure luck. Um, And this had the effect that the players thought that, oh, Call of Cthulhu is not actually that difficult or that brutal. (laughs) Uh, And then I believe they soundly got murdered in the next adventure, like, early on. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, like, I I think the thing is for me is that, like, I see, like, we we hear some pretty amazing and outlandish things just interviewing people, but also so many things from the past year on Twitter and and Instagram as well, like stories and people sharing experiences. And it's kind of the the what I said at the start, where I don't know how time works anymore. Is that just because of social media? I think it's kind of ruining our brains with regards to how we perceive time. It's just there's it feels like there's been so many amazing stories and stuff that i've read that i don't remember all of them and i can't pick any i think also that a little bit we're doing it to ourselves with how we've kind of like wound up scheduling recordings for the podcast uh so for the listener who who may not know a lot of our episodes are recorded a couple of months ahead of time um partially just because we've managed to build a buffer and you know if people reach out to us we want to try and talk to them soon uh which is a thing uh which we'll get into later that that we are trying to change a little bit in the new year but it has made me uh constantly forget what's in an episode until it comes out (laughs) and i re-listened to it i was like oh that was a really good conversation that person was really interesting you'd think i would have remembered that i was there (laughs) (laughs) all right um I'm going to let's let's do Damien's questions next, I think. Yeah. And then after that, I think I've got a, a question for you and me uh, to wrap up the, the question portion and then we'll move into into wrapping up. OK, um, Ster- Sterling has also asked us a question, which I do, would like to get to if we can. But first, or actually, yeah, we've only got we've got Damien and Sterling. We can do we'll do those and then we'll uh, yeah. I've got my question. Yeah. This is a bonus episode. It can go long. <laughs> um, uh, so Damien from Adventures in Aurelia, which is at Aurelia Pod on Twitter, um, who is also a supporter of the network. Thank you so much, Damien. Um, asks, uh, I'm going to read the whole thing because there's actually a couple of questions, but then we can go through it. Um, Holidays are the big group killer. How do you maintain your game and gaming group from year to year? Uh, personally, mine are all part of a podcast. They, scare quotes, have to come back. Uh and he asked for there because I remember that year-end episodes are also a time for personal questions. Sean and Jesse, your shtick has been that you're sort of new DMs trying to get a handle on this whole DMing thing. Uh, it's been a couple of years now. How do you guys feel after all of the advice and conversations you had in this time? Um, so I've got a quick answer to the first part. Um, yeah, 
You do a and, quick answer, then I'll do a quick answer, then we'll do the last. Uh, my quick answer is that I intentionally disband my group. Um, if if I'm in an active campaign, uh, like last year, I intentionally disbanded the group uh, for the month of December and most of January because I knew that like like every like people were talking to me and being like, oh, I can't make this weekend. Oh, I can't make this weekend. Oh, we're both away for this other weekend. And I was just like, you know what? Like, I actually think it was like late November, I'm like, okay, we're going to, this is our last session for this year. We're going to come back together sometime in January. Everybody have a good Christmas because it was easier than trying to figure out how to have a game continue to run when every session, a different person was missing. Yeah. So, um, on a different, a bit of a different note, but like, um, I recently had to cancel two sessions of, uh, or two, my two separate sessions of my two games, um, partially just because of some personal stuff with one of my players, you know, so we, we, we kind of canceled the sessions that were a couple of days out and were postponing. And like, I looked at when it was and I was like, well, you know, I'm going to wait till maybe Christmas happens. And then I'm going to be like, okay, when should we play next? Because like, I know a lot of the answer is going to be, we're not available. Um, like my friend, like we, we already don't play every week because we are all very busy people. So you know, I'm not going to try and push it. I don't want people to be unintentionally like feeling bad about not being available around the holidays. I want people to enjoy their time and relax and have a good time and not have to worry about it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, my, my gaming groups, uh, the ones I have right now, I like to think come back year to year because they enjoy hanging out with each other and they enjoy the games I put in front of them and they will tell me otherwise if it changes. <laughs> I I feel like I've got the same feeling like last year when I told everybody that we'd be we'd be getting back together in the new year. Uh, I felt like they came back together because they wanted to see how the story would end, how how we would wrap everything up. Or uh, or the first time that I told everybody we were on hiatus for a little bit, and then the second time the three people came back because they were really excited to start a new campaign. And I'd like to think a little bit of that is just they like hanging out with each other and with me and enjoy the story that we're telling together. Yeah, for sure. Um, as to the, you know, we haven't talked about this, but I was actually thinking about this the other day. Um, <laughs> so on one hand, I mean, maybe we have to change the shtick. Um, <laughs> on the other hand, I do think that uh, a DM starts to stagnate when they don't actively like think about DMing. Um, so in a way, I think like we're always we're always going to be trying to get a handle on the whole DMing thing. Um, I like, again, like so many of the DMs that I've run into who are like, quote unquote, bad DMs. And I want to add the caveat that that usually just means bad DMs for me to play with. Um, it's because they, they don't, they're not interested in advice. They're not interested in any other way to do things. They're only interested in doing things their way. And they are ironclad in that. And that is uh, a character trait I find immensely frustrating. <laughs> Um, so like, I, I feel like, uh, all the advice and con conversations have like, as we were talking about earlier, really improved my DMing and, uh, and your DMing, but like, I, I feel like we still need that advice and other people do too, right? Like, I, I also feel like for a listener, like an outside listener coming in, it's more relatable with that as opposed to being like the, and there are already so many shows that are already like, yes, we're very experienced DMs and we are like among some of the best DMs, listen to our advice. There's already a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, and then, like if you want to listen to a podcast like that, I think the 
like the grandfather show of that is is Fear the Boot, which was which is a show of a bunch of guys who've been DMing since they were kids and started running. They've got their podcast has been running for like I don't know. I think it almost a decade or more at this point. They have their own convention, like, but that's like not our our shtick. Our shtick is like we come at this with from the angle of we're here to help new DMs get a handle on you know how to do this and to help dms get better and yeah sometimes we're gonna have a an episode that maybe it's something that we already knew or that a listener already knows about and how to do but you know it's like that xkcd thing of like if you're if it's if you're one of the ten thousand people today who get to learn something new and it was from our show awesome yeah well and like i think even the thing with that like because we've had episodes where we basically have the same quote-unquote topic as other episodes and i've always learned something new in them because the experience of the individual person we have on is always a bit different um and like you know like we had sean howard on to talk about improv like dming after we'd already had like two or three episodes about improv dming and i've learned a bunch of new stuff talking to him because he he does it differently and he's doing it in a different environment than the other people we talk to yeah and it's and this is one of the reasons that i'm uh, that i want to have a more diverse set of guests on is because and and if you're a a, a person of color or i if you are not a cis white straight dude yeah, basically, if you're not a cis white straight dude and you want to talk to us about something that we've already done an episode on, reach out to us because we would love to hear your perspective on whatever that topic is, whether it's we do a fifth episode on improv or whether it's about the specific challenges that you and your players face when trying to run a game of D&D. Um, so, yeah, I think there's, like you said, like we could probably do a set of 10 episodes on a single topic and talk to a different person each time and learn something each from each episode yeah and i I think realistically over time that's gonna happen they're just not all gonna be in a block together because (laughs) yeah no one wants that (laughs) (laughs) we (laughs) the 20th week 20 like 20 weeks out and here's your 10th episode about you know how to roll your dice properly (laughs) oh god we're never going to do an episode about how to roll your dice properly unless it's a <laughs> joke, unless it is a goof. <laughs> Open up an April 1st episode with today. We're talking about how to roll your dice properly. Um, okay. Uh, I think we can move on to Sterling's question. Uh, Cast from exile on Twitter. Um, he asks, well, says, I'm always down for DM lessons learned this year and telling tales from your campaigns this year. We only tend to hear snippets of what's going on in the games you both run, and I'm always down to hear more. I guess um, we kind of did that already. A little bit, yeah. yeah. Um, but are there any specific lessons that uh, have come out of uh, specifically the, the people that we've talked to or just uh, stuff that you've learned on the side that we haven't had a chance to do an episode about? Um, yes. Um, I'm going to focus specifically on our episode with Taryn, where we were talking about, like, kind of, um, I can't remember the exact name of the topic now, but it was, like, kind of, like, drawing players in and, like, making it very, I'm just going to look at a, a visual impact, like, using descriptions to create an impact with your players. Uh, recording that episode is what convinced me to mostly do theater of the mind from now on. Right. And also, you guys, like, if you're like me and you don't like drawing maps because you're lazy um and you don't actually have time to do it 
because life is a thing and you're running other games and you're playing in other games and you're making a podcast and you're sort of helping make another podcast and you're in a podcast network. Um, it's so much less work. It's, it's so much less work. <laughs> it's so much easier. Yeah. I'm just, I'm looking at uh, the, the episodes that we put out in the last year. Um, and I, I'm looking at these and I think for the most part, I've learned something from, pretty much every episode uh when we talked to andrea about introverted dming uh the visual impact when we, visual impact when we talked to taryn and uh when we talked to jonathan about designing monsters i learned a bunch there uh, oh, continuous oh, oh, world. oh did you ever oh. get to do the wasp thing uh i did um i actually introduced the wasp and and the bee people um and i found some uh, some fantastic art that turned into an npc who's this like naive but uh brave um uh bee woman uh who's like a princess who uh helped guide the players through some parts of the jungle and help them find some stuff out about the giant wasp and she's just this like um like innocent yet super eager to like get out in the world and make a difference kind of character and it was really fun to role play that um and so yeah that was really fun and and the players reactions when i told them that it was a giant wasp that was uh, chef kiss um <laughs> but yeah like we've talked to a bunch of people like we talked to Maat crook with time saving tips that was there's a bunch of stuff there um but yeah like we've like I've learned a bunch of stuff this year and I think this is kind of falling back to the previous question, but as far as what's going on for the games that we run, I think we, yeah, we've, we kind of went over that. Like my game is, is on pause while I wrestle with, am I going to continue to play online or not? And I'm leaning towards no. Um, but the, um, that kind of springboards me into the question that I wanted to ask you, Yes. which is in the next year, um, is there, are there any things that you want to do in the games that you're running or are there any systems that you'd like to try out? All right. Um, this is good. Cause I think this actually, I thought Kayla and asked us something about games we wanted to try out. Uh, oh yeah. So this, this kind of ties into something that Kayla had asked, uh, which is what game do you want to make sure you play in the new year? I want to play monster hearts too, really badly because it seems <laughs> very different from any other game i played in like actual content um and i'd be really interested in both playing and running it to see if i can do it monster hearts 2 is where everybody is in high school but they are also secretly monsters or not so secretly monsters <laughs> um and it's a powered by the apocalypse game so it's like pretty straightforward to learn how to do it uh, also i want to i want to at some point hopefully interview the person who made it uh which i believe her name is avery alder avery alder Okay. Any um, any other any things that you'd like to do in your D and D campaigns? Um, I would like to wrap up Dragon Heist. Um, <laughs> whether or not that'll happen is a question, just because of like everybody's time availability stuff, and we don't we don't run super often because it's just not doable for everyone. Um, right. But I'd like to wrap that up. I'd like to see what happens. Um, uh, there's a bunch of cool stuff, like weird little things that we've done in that game that i've really enjoyed uh and i just want to keep on expounding on that um i want to really i have a bunch of like for my other game my persona inspired game i've got a bunch of like great twists and setups that i really 
want to get to, but might still take months because that's the nature of these kind of things. Um, <laughs> and like, I have some stuff I want to do as a podcaster this year too. Uh, like, I think my main one is that I want to guest on more shows um, to try and like find a bit like a little bit more audience for us and stuff like that. Um, like, I would also uh, like to guest on some shows. Yeah. Well, uh, we've got one set up in January that we're going to do eventually. Um, <laughs> no, we've got it all planned. We just need to figure out the topic with the, the people um, that we're doing that with. But like, I'd like to be on, I, th- I think the, the big one and the most like, I think realistically one I want to get on to is DM to GM, which is Sean Howard's show, which is also like a DM advice show, but in a very different way than our show. Also okay. go and check out DM to GM. It's very good. <laughs> um, and you know, like I, yeah, I just want to like get out there a bit more. Maybe, maybe go on some streams. Yeah. How, how about you? Same question. I... All of the questions. <laughs> um, I I want to figure I'd like to try and figure out some way to maybe wrap up this campaign or at least come to some kind of understanding with the the players cuz I don't want to just leave things hanging um but they're like I'm I'm sitting at my computer and above my computer are some shelves and on those shelves are a whole bunch of role playing games and some of them I bought because they were like you know, uh, things for D&D, like uh, Player's Handbook, Monster Manual, Tales from the Awning Portal, or modules or stuff like that. But there's a bunch of games that I've either I've either only played once or done a really short campaign that I would like to explore. Like, um, there's uh, Tales from the Loop, which is a really interesting game about playing as kids in a kind of Stranger Things-inspired world. Um, there's Star Wars Edge of the Empire because I'm a Star Wars nerd and I can't help it. I want to play more Eclipse Phase, which is this transhuman eldritch horror kind of game that was super fun the little bit that I got to play and I've got so many ideas for it. I actually think that for Extra Life next year, I'm going to put together an Eclipse Phase one-shot that I've got some really neat ideas that I think will be really fun to play with people on the network. Uh, I want to play monster hunter. I want to put together a game of worldwide wrestling for people in the network, because we've got a bunch of people who like wrestling. And this is a game that makes me actually want to go to a wrestling match that might be happening in January with people from the network. Uh, I want to play Corollis, which is this, uh, it's called Corollis, the third horizon. And my understanding is that it's uh, an Arabian nights, inspired role-playing game that's super different from the traditional western fantasy kind of stuff and it's it's a science fiction game inspired by arabian nights with a system way different than DD. um i want to play dresden files i want to run a bunch of games of end of the world like there's so many things that i want to do and i think that's the other reason that i want to play uh switch back to playing locally around a table is that i think that would make it a lot easier to run pickup games because i can just say like hey i'm going to be running uh this game two weeks from now i will pre-generate characters and we're going to do a a one-shot in this system uh whoever i've got four spots whoever wants to come can come over and play this weird game with me and i think that would be a good way to play the games that i haven't played yet and to introduce more people to the games that i have played and really enjoyed Yes, that sounds like a lot of fun. You should do that. 
<laughs> and I should come and play some of those games, and I should make sure to make a point of playing some of those games. Yeah, and like some of them, like I've been thinking that if I can get the right group of people together, uh, that and this would be a fairly large group of people because the like for example the worldwide wrestling group or game. I think that would work really well as a maybe not once a month or not not once a week, but maybe once a month or every two weeks as a stream for the cave goblins, because it could it's the kind of game that I can get three people together on one evening and, you know, stream stream the game for for two hours or an hour, because it's a very like the game with the right people is like watching an, uh, a wrestling match or a couple of wrestling matches and then i can play it in two weeks with a different set of three or four people and then yes. and but like could do like because the thing is that if um, a campaign in worldwide wrestling is like a season of a wrestling show so that means that like if you have 10 people that want to play you can do that and then your last uh, like you work towards doing a WrestleMania style event. And I think that that would be a ton of fun to do as a streaming thing. Yes. And <laughs> and like we have some guests who are locals who I think would be interested. Like Rosemary Trevale would probably be super into that. Uh, yeah. I'm sure Doug would be into that. Like, I, you know, there's a bunch of people who I think would be into that. I'm That does sound like a lot of fun. Yeah. I also I want to run another some more games of paranoia because that game is silly and stupid and I love it. <laughs> um, but yeah, like there's for me, I think I, I want to get away from D and D a little bit because um, I because so many of the things that we talk about on the show, um, there's things that we've learned and things that we've talked about that are kind of specific to D and D, but so many more that aren't and. Part of me wants to take the things that aren't specific to D&D and even the things that are specific to D&D and go and test them out in other systems and see how they work. Like do some of the things that we've uh, talked about for, you know, how to run an improv game or, or a no prep game. How well does that work when you're running Eclipse Phase? How well does that work when you're running these other systems? Because like from my personal experience, I've run Star Wars and I've run Eclipse Phase and... I know that those are super easy to run improv games because you can make up a character by just rolling a D10 a couple of times and it's kind of a valid character. And, you know, with some simple rules, it's super easy to come up with like, oh, you decide to go into this this store and you decide to fight that person. Cool. I don't have to go off and spend a couple of minutes with a some rules in the DM's guide. I can just make up some numbers on the spot and they're kind of valid numbers and I can just roll with it. So yeah, there's so many things that I'd like to do that aren't related to, to D&D. And I'm curious to see if the things that we've been learning, how well they apply to other systems. Yeah, me too. Like I'm, I am, yeah, I am apparently losing my words. <laughs> um, <laughs> we have been talking for an hour and a half. <laughs> yes. Um, Sean, it's a new year coming up. What are, what are your goals for the show for next year? Uh, well, like we've discussed, I want to get more people who aren't cis male white dudes, um, get more and more diverse set of voices on, uh, even if it's just to talk about stuff that we've already talked about from a different perspective, uh, because I think that that's super valid and it can be really interesting to hear what somebody else thinks about a topic, especially if it's somebody who doesn't have the same privilege that we do when it comes to 
the gaming spaces and and all of that um i'd also uh like to do a little bit more cross promotion we've talked about being on on other podcasts and maybe other streams like try to get a little bit more uh increase the viewership a little bit um uh i i'd i'd like to do um i've 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 kind of always i've been on the fence about this since we've started the podcast but like the idea of doing a giveaway um if we reach certain like follower goals on twitter or something like that so that we can uh, try to increase the number of people that uh, we can tell that a new episode is out or get some get some feedback but i'm not quite certain how i feel about about telling people that we'll give them a a chance to win a copy of some book or some dice or some something if uh if they follow us on twitter it, i i need to think a little bit more about how i feel about that i mean we've, we've uh, done it yeah like, we've done the giveaways and actually this is the thing i wanted to talk about so why not talk about it quickly is that like i am uh, of two minds about how effective it is because we get followers but a lot of them are just giveaway followers right um and like i think for me it's worth it if we get like one or two new listeners, especially if they like, you know, end up really enjoying the show. But like, it's, I don't know. I, I think I would rather do some sort of contest, uh, through actually like actually established in an episode. Right. That we then like, you know, talk about on Twitter, but like, I don't know that I want just like a retweet thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know how effective it has actually been for us, like getting listenership. Um, but yeah, I, I also wanted to touch on something you said about like, um, like talking to people with a different perspective and different experiences. I want to make it really clear that we, um, if we're going to be, you know, have better kind of representation and stuff like that on our show, I don't want to like, just talk to people about like being a woman in a gaming community or being a person of color in a gaming community. I want to talk to people if they want to talk about that specifically, because generally, I guess also a look behind the curtain, generally we get the guests to suggest the topic that they want to talk about. Um, but like, I want to talk to those people about what they want to talk about. Cause I think this is like a common thing in the convention circuit. That's super shitty where it's like, Oh yes, we will only invite these people of color to the panel about being a person of color in comics. It's like invite yeah. them to the panels where you talk about like, speed drawing or whatever yeah no yeah i i i totally agree like i I, i'm not wanting to talk to you know a more diverse set of voices to talk about why they're diverse and how that affects them uh unless that's specifically what somebody wants to talk about because like the it's kind of the the thing I'll, i'll relate this to programming because that's what i do for my day job um and like i am an advocate for getting more more women, more people of color as hired as engineers and as programmers, not because I want to fill some quota or because I just, I want to, you know, talk to them about how it's different, not being a white dude as a programmer, but because they, by virtue of just not being a white dude, have a different perspective, which means that they're going to think about things differently. And, you know, maybe when we're talking to somebody about, you know, how to put together a story plot uh we can talk to like it happens when we talk to to white dudes that they have a different perspective on how something works and it's just talking to somebody who's not a white dude means we get even more perspectives on how something can can work and more like different tips and tricks and things that can help people when they're running their games and i just i think for me like 
the goal, like our shtick we've been talking about is that we're doing this show to help people get better at DMing and to help the most people get better at DMing, we have to talk to a diverse set of people. Exactly. Um, yeah, I can't, I couldn't say that better myself, I think. <laughs> um, um, I think, I think we're at the end of our episode. I have a couple of things I want to do before we end, if you will indulge me, Sean. Go ahead. You are indulged. Okay. First, I would like to thank the Cave Goblin Network, uh, Doug, Talia, Piers, Eric, Joe, Wes. Is that everyone? Am I forgetting someone? <laughs> oh, God, am I forgetting someone? <laughs> I, um, I have no idea. Okay. There are a lot of us, and we don't always see each other all the time. Um, secondly, I would like to thank the the patrons for the Cave Goblin Network, um, some of whom we've, we've mentioned, uh, and I'm going to be thanking again by coincidence. Um, but finally, I would like to thank Kayla Sander, Andrea Dreger, Adam Brooks, Jane Perella, Taryn, Montana Rosal, Matt Hottie, Aubrey Massey, Jonathan Sterling, Matt Baum, Austin Lawhorn, Travis Vangroff, Sean Howard, the DM Robulon, Kyle Decker, James Kidd, Andrew Kaywood, Darren Steele, Austin Payne, Maat Crook, Rosemary Trevally, Vida Ayala, August Everard, Andy Denaw, and Rob Stith. Uh, for guesting on our show this year. Yes. Big thanks to everybody that's been on the show this year. It has been a delight. It, we, I think we say this at the end of every episode that it was really fun to talk to people, but I think I think that's been actually the biggest thing this year for us was really understanding our voice. And we were talking about what Jesse said earlier about when we when somebody comes on to the episode and we talk to them, we're talking to them about something that they want to talk about. And the reason for that is that we found that that's the most, when we get the most interesting and fun conversations that we think are the most fun to listen to is these people all come on because they have something that they want to talk about. And that, that passion, that, that drive when somebody wants to talk to you about something, it's not just because we want to do it because we want to get more listeners. Um, we do it because it's fun to talk to people about what they're passionate about. And I just hope that we can talk to more people in the next year who are just as passionate about D and D or whatever games it is that they're running. Yeah. Like looking back, we did not have a bad interview all year. I feel like. Yeah. Not even I'm close. Pretty sure, I'm pretty sure every single interview ends with a very heartfelt. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, finally, I have one final person I'd like to thank. Sean, I'd like to thank you. Um, because, like, uh, this show was your idea initially, and I probably wouldn't have done anything like this if somebody hadn't come up and been like, hey, do you want to do this thing with me? (laughs) So thank you so much for inviting me to do the show with you. I've been enjoying it immensely. Well, I'm going to throw that right back at you, and thank you so much for being my co-host for all these years. It's been it's been a journey that's been a little bit crazy at times with trying to get stuff edited or fixing things that uh, slip past me. Um, but yeah, this has been a lot of fun, and I am I'm looking forward to next year and hopefully many years after that. Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> I forgot to thank Adventure Dice for sponsoring the show. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, thank you, thank you to Andrea and Blair who run AdventureDice.ca, where um, they sponsor the show. If you uh, go and pick up something on their website, you can use the code DMV to get ten percent off uh, your purchase. But most importantly, they've been like really supportive and great, and they like sent us a Christmas gift, which was really sweet. Yeah. So 
something I just this just caught my eye is the question from from Kayla is that do we play together in any games? And the the answer right now is no, but I think that should be something we try to do in the next year is play yeah. together in some games. Oh yeah, that I think that should be our our actual like our main secondary goal. <laughs> It's <laughs> like actually play some tabletop together because we've done it a couple of times this year. We were on Jonas together, which was a lot of fun. Yes, I say <laughs> after like realizing the fact that I completely like took over that game. <laughs> <laughs> well, I used up I, I I used up all of my interrupts or whatever, being really silly and saying ooh, ooh a lot. Yeah, no, that was fun. Um, <laughs> did he, did you play in the one that Joe ran? The um... no, I don't think so. Okay. Is that the only time we played together this year? I think it might have been. Yeah, which is why I think the next year we need to do better. <laughs> yeah, we need to do more stuff. Like, I, I would love more like, yeah, we're going to just play a one shot this afternoon kind of thing. For sure. Anyway. I just I also need to do that just so I get better at making sure that I am strengthening and continue to work on interpersonal relationships because I realize that I am not great at that. Also true for me. Uh, and I think a different way, but yeah, I spent a lot of time sitting at home, not talking to anyone, uh, or just talking to people on Twitter anyway. Uh, oh, you know, you know, actually there, there's one more. Thank you. We, we have to do Sean. Was that? Thank you for listening. Yes. Thank you for listening. Uh, before we formally finally sign off from this, uh, hour and 45 minute auditory nightmare, I mean, end of year episode, um, if you, like we said a little bit earlier, I think we would like to start doing some mailbag things. So if you have uh, questions or concerns or anything that you would like to, to ask us that we will answer at some point in the future, our Twitter address is DMs of Vancouver. Reach out to us. Let us know what you think. Yes. And if you feel weird about reaching out to an account that's for a show as opposed to a, a person, because I sometimes feel weird about that, you can also message me at Jesse Boros on Twitter. I, I do both of them anyway. It's the same person. <laughs> or me, Sean P. Hagen. Yeah. Or you can email us at dmsofvancouver.com or at gmail.com. Yeah. Okay. Really ending the episode now. Yes. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you for listening to DMs of Vancouver. We acknowledge that the land we live, work, and play on is the unceded territory of the Coast Salish peoples, including the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. In recognition of that fact, we ask that you please support Raven, a charity that helps support Indigenous people throughout Canada. You can find them at raventrust.com. We are a part of the Cave Goblin Network. To check out other shows on the network, please visit cavegoblins.com. You can support the show and the network by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash cavegoblins. You can also support the show by leaving us a review on iTunes or talking about the show. You can find us on Twitter at DMs of Vancouver, at Jesse Boros, and at Sean P. Hagen. Our art is done by the wonderful Haley Boros. See more of her work at haleyboros.com. Our theme music is Overworld by Kevin McLeod. Find his work at acompatech.com. I was told that once, Frost Cricket was a humble prefect of the Celestial City. But when Wanderlust whispered her name, she left to travel the Earth on foot. Her journeys inspired many stories, and those stories inspired other stories. Some idiot wrote them all down, and ever since, fools have been telling and retelling the tales of Frost Cricket. Hear them all on the Cave Goblin.
I'm Piers Ray. Sitting with me is Eric Ivanovich. My name is Eric Ivanovich. We're the hosts of Podcast vs. Podcast right here on the Cave Goblin Network. This is the only podcast pitching show on the internet. Tune in, find out if we can ever find the perfect podcast, or more importantly, can we agree on it? This is a Cave Goblin podcast. For other podcasts like this, visit cavegoblins.com. We hope you have enjoyed this program.